Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Eric. I teach people how to raise livestock on the land. And I teach people the Bible. I play a little banjo. And I play bass. I'm a passionate bow hunter. And I'm a die-hard Badgers fan. Together we're just two common folk trying to pursue Jesus. And live out our faith beyond Sunday's sermon. Well, let's see what kind of tangents we can go on today. Well, I mean, the Packer game was was pretty awesome. We have to start with that always. It's always yes. got to be the latest football game yes. and weather. Well, but that was like that's kind of a that's a unique situation where I'm just going to be honest. I'm a diehard Packer fan, but I would not have bet money that we were really? going to win that game. Man, no, I like I should have. I just I think maybe it was that I had really realistic expectations of Jordan Love this year. I was like, hey, if he just can show that he can play the position, I'm happy because we got no, our receivers are like 12 years old and like we got like <laughs> no. And it, so for me, I think it was just my level of like, hey, I don't need this. You're guarding your heart. That's exactly what it was, especially after this year with the Badgers. I was like, yeah. I got to lower my expectations or I'm going to be miserable. And so, and it just seemed like everything was set up for Dallas. I, everything yeah, was and set up. I knew there was a chance that the Packers could lose the game, but I also felt very good about it. Just like if they play the way they can, yep. this is going to be a good game, and we have a legitimate shot at winning. Yep, yep. So it was exciting. I mean, that was that was a, a cool thing for for Wisconsin sports. The score doesn't even like if all you did is saw the score. They, it was more of a butt whooping. Well, because it was. It, at one point, it was 48 to like 18 or yeah. something like that. Well, and it's it was like, like 27 to nothing at one point. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. It, that was exciting. Just again, after this year in sports, it yeah. was like there was some disappointment this year. And so um, it's just exciting. I think it's going to mean that. We've got some good years ahead of us. It's going to get harder for them, but I feel the same way going into next Saturday. Mm -hmm. Like, is there a good chance we lose? Yeah. Yeah. But if we play really well, can we make it a really good game? Yeah. Yep. Is there a chance we can win? Yeah. Yeah. So you watch the game and you... Absolutely. I think there's a chance we win. I I definitely... Maybe this is just because of the history, but I definitely respect Shanahan a lot more than McCarthy as far as I think what really helped us out is McCarthy kind of gets just stuck in what he wanted to do, even if it's not working, where Shanahan is like, I mean, in the playoff game a few years ago, it was like, oh, what running works. All right, well, then we're going to run still it 85 times for, in a row. I have a heart for McCarthy. He took us to the Super Bowl. And so, yeah. I, you know, I... But, yep, it is what it is. But um, that's I'm a, because I know I don't think any Packer fan thinks our defense is like airtight. Like there's weaknesses, and I think Shanahan is much more of a coach that is going to kind of play that game of Jenga and poke until he sees what's moving, and then just like hit well, here, it over and over again. Here's the last thing I'll say, and then we can move beyond football. Yeah, yep. I'm a huge believer in the stories, mm-hmm. the storyline. Yeah. And they they sometimes just make themselves, mm-hmm. but but it's a huge part of sports and it what's it's what makes sports really interesting and it's why we have so many parallels in life. Yeah. But like the story I see unfolding is Love has the opportunity as the unproven quarterback who everyone at the middle in the middle of the season, all the national 
big talking heads were saying this guy is terrible. Yeah. Yep. Now he has the opportunity to do what Rodgers couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's beat the 49ers. Absolutely. And that's one reason I think it could very well happen. Absolutely. So. Well, and I think, and here's the last thing I'll say before we move on, is I think one of the the actual greatest strengths of the Packers is just how young they are because mm-hmm. they don't know they're supposed to lose. Because I think even just Rodgers, the past, like the last couple years in the playoffs, he started playing so safe because I think this idea of like, hey, we've lost to these teams before because we made this mistake or that mistake, so we got to button up and not, and you could just see he wouldn't pull the trigger on certain He was throws. totally different in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, and I just think the fact that we're, no one on this team knows that really they, they're supposed to lose to the 49ers, and so I'm hoping they just play loose. And if it means yeah. they make some mistakes, whatever, I'll take yeah. that, but... It'll be fun to watch for sure. Yeah. So that's I'm very optimistic. So. Yeah. Well, and what? Why shouldn't we be? Yeah. I mean, it's this has been such a fun end to the season, and so I think. Well, hey, that was. Is under, it okay if I keep wearing Packer gear to church on Sunday? I absolutely. Yeah, I no, mean, I you, think you got to do it. Yes, I'm actually surprised more people didn't wear Packer gear on yeah, Sunday. I was a little let down. Maybe I should. Well, I don't think I have any time to announce <laughs> it for this coming Sunday. But hey, I'm impressed though. It was less than five minutes, and we got through our Packer talk. So can we get through the weather now in the next five minutes? I think we. I, I mean, it's cold. That's it all I have cold. to say about it. But the it. thing is, is it's like really nice out right now. The sun's mm-hmm. shining. It yeah. was like a beautiful sunrise this morning. I had to. Well, the last two mornings, I. I walk out kind of first thing in the morning and check my cattle because I have to make sure number one everything's o- or everybody's okay, mm-hmm. but number two that I don't have a busted water line or yeah. something like that. So, and on my walk out there, I'm walking into the wind and I have to stop like four times and turn around <laughs> for a minute and let the wind hit my back because I get brain freeze so bad. I believe it. I believe it's it. Terrible. Well, and it, but I'll take. I mean, I shouldn't say it's terrible. It it it's appropriate it's for the season. Yeah. I mean, because that's it, it. You can say something's painful without assigning good or bad on it. Yeah. Like it is. It this weather hurts your face. That's just the way it is. And yeah. But I'll take. Cause it, I feel like this winter has just been so gloomy that I will take really cold weather if it means that we actually get some sunshine. Yeah. And so that's, I'm Today not Today is the perfect January day. Mm-hmm. The sun's shining. It feels good. Hitting my back right now. Negative four. And, yep. But like I said, I'll take it. I've got no complaints because that's what I've learned is, for me, it's way more about, is there sun? Yeah. Like, then how cold? Because, like, it can be 30 degrees, but, like, foggy and gloomy, and it's, like, it does not feel like a nice day. Mm-hmm. And it can be, like, negative four, but the sun is out, and it's, like, I'm in a good mood. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, we got through that in, like, less than two minutes. Is there is there any way that we could prolong that conversation or belabor it I a mean, little more? We, we could, <laughs> but I feel, I feel good about it. I feel like it's funny. It's, like... I feel like when you can complain about something, you can talk about it for way longer. Oh, yeah. And so it's like the fact that neither one of us are really complaining about the weather means yeah. it doesn't take that long. There's so many ways that we could make parallels between the weather and, and life. And I, mm-hmm. you know, it, so is it really terrible on a January morning to walk into the wind and have it freeze your brain a little bit? Not really. It's appropriate. It yep. it just goes with the territory. Well, and that's where Ecclesiastes is my. 
that's the book of the Bible that just connects with my spirit more than anyone else. And it, I know everyone's like, what a depressing book. I think it is the most uplifting and reassuring book in the whole Bible. And that's literally the whole idea is like there's seasons and you can't change them. Yeah. And there's good things and bad things about every single season. So, I mean, that's a, what I always, I always go back to it. Number one, you can't speed up the season. Like no matter how much you complain and throw temper tantrums, you can't speed up the season to get to the one that you want. But there's also good and bad in every season. And you can choose to every, you know, Ecclesiastes says everything is made beautiful in its time. And so it's like, you can choose to see the beauty of the season or you can choose to see what's wrong with it. But every season is going to give you an opportunity to see the good or the bad. And, you know, it's like, yes, it's cold, but there's no mosquitoes. You know, well, it just makes me think of like in life, we talk about good stress and bad stress. Mm-hmm. And I think we confuse that stuff all the time. So it's like, you're going through a busy stretch. Mm-hmm. Man, it's terrible. Is it really terrible? Or is it just like life is happening yes. yep. right now? Yep. Or maybe it is terrible because you made a whole bunch of really stupid decisions that led to where you're at right now. Absolutely. Well, it's not just clear cut that like having so much thrown at you right now that you can you feel like you can hardly handle it mm-hmm. is automatically terrible. Like right. there needs to be a little more context there. Absolutely. Well, and the question is, is it a season or is it something that like you have to actually address because yeah. this has been a prolonged thing? Because like just understanding that's what Ecclesiastes and going back to it explains like there's seasons of life right. that are like, yes, this season is going to be busy. If someone has their first child, it's like, there's nothing you're going to be able to do to make that not feel crazy. That's mm-hmm. a season that like, but it won't last forever. And like, that's the biggest thing is if you can identify it's a season, a lot of times what makes stuff feel so terrible is in our brain. We're like, this is always going to be like yeah. this. And so to just remember like, this is, uh, you know, like with the weather, it's like, it will not always be negative four. If mm-hmm. I thought like, it's always going to be negative four this would be miserable, but it's like, I understand this is a season and in a little while it's going to be 80 it's and humid. It's all a matter of perspective. Yes. If you're tired, well, you're not going to be tired forever. If you're yes. sick, if you have a cold, you're not going to have a cold yep. forever. Now I understand there's like much more extreme examples of those, but mm-hmm. when you get used to having proper perspective in the little things, when they're amped up, so like if you... And, and I don't want to downplay this because I'm sure there's someone who this could be like, you know, emotional for. But like if you're used to you, you get the seasonal cold mm-hmm. or you get the occasional flu bug or whatever mm-hmm. and you're like, it happens. Yeah. I'm going to just get through this. I'm not going to mm-hmm. act like life is terrible. Um, if you ever do have a more serious condition there's people who we've seen handle it with so much grace and, and it's like mind boggling, but they probably can do that because they got used to having that perspective in the little things. Yes. Well, and so much of it is like, and again, I'll go back to like the first thing you have to be able to do is identify, is this a season or is this like a, a habitual thing that I need to address? And like, Understanding the differences between those are huge because seasons you're not going to be able to change. No matter how much you fight against it, it's winter. Like you can't change it. But then there's other things where it is like, hey, this has been a consistent thing in your life for years and years and years. And you need to start looking at 
what it is you can address. But then the next thing is learning how to roll with the season is like so huge and not try to force your will onto the season. So it's like, you know, it's really cold outside. And if you're someone that's like, I want to run outside and you try to force that onto the season, you are going to be miserable. But if you are willing to just observe the season and understand like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta make adjustments based on the season I'm in. I'm not gonna be able to run outside right now Mm because it's just too cold i gotta make some adjustments i gotta find something else to do or get a treadmill or something where i'm i'm allowing myself to adjust to the season that i'm in and i think even with being sick i I actually found that on on friday i woke up and i just i just did not feel good i just felt like like i almost had a cold and there was that little bit of angst of like no like I, I got to be productive today. Today was supposed to be this, this, and this. And that's where Les is sometimes smarter than me. And that's where she's just like, if you don't feel good, like rest. There's literally nothing that has to be done today. Just allow yourself to rest today. And it's like that ability to make that adjustment to like, mm-hmm. not that you're going, oh, woe is me. And like, you're a victim, but just understanding like, oh, I don't feel good. So let me make an adjustment on that. And then, and then I woke up Saturday and felt way better. I'm sure a big reason of it is because I actually let myself rest on Friday. So I think that's a big part of it too, is like, at least for me, it's like, I want to force my will onto the season and that just does not work very well. But you know what else is a season? Life itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's where the rubber meets the road when it comes to having perspective. And I think that's kind of what I was trying to get to is it could be really easy to listen to this and be like, you guys are using like little kitty examples here. Like you're tired at the end of the day or you have a little cold or something. And someone, someone could be listening and be like, I just lost the most one of the people who I love the most in life or I was just diagnosed with this and I don't know how long I'm going to make it. The reality is, is people every day are dealing with that stuff. But what I'm getting at, and it's, I totally understand that for you and I to say it sitting here healthy right now, right. It, someone could really question that and draw it and be like, yeah, easy for you to say, but the Bible is all about, having perspective even through situations like that yes and having hope even because this is just a season what we have right here and I, what i always tell my kids is it's great to just be full of joy and appreciative of what we have around us and to just really you know, be, be in love with those around us and and have gratitude for everything around us. But just remember that we're in the waiting room. Like mm-hmm. all this is yes. right here is the waiting room. And that's what I tell my kids all the time because I, I can't think of a better way to help them visualize the fact that this is really good, yeah. but don't fall so in love with it that if something goes bad or if something is taken from you, that you feel that you're like dismayed by it right? because this is just the waiting room and it just pales in comparison to where we're ultimately made to be. Absolutely. Well, and I think, and I didn't plan on this being the Ecclesiastes like episode, but it's like also understanding like 
sadness is not a sin. Like the Ecclesiastes says, there is a time for mourning. Like there's yeah. a, and like there's seasons of life where like being sad is appropriate. There's a righteous way to be sad. So to go back to where we started, sadness does not mean terrible. It no. doesn't have to mean terrible. No, there's things in life that the only appropriate response is sadness. Like there are sad things that happen. And for you to be like, nope, I'm a Christian, not allowed to be sad. Everything's hunky-dory. It's like, that's just not what the Bible says. Jesus was sad. He wept. He mourned. Like there's real reasons to be sad. There's real reasons to be angry. There's real reasons to be disappointed. Like, and all of those are like seasons that are like part of the, the, the experience of being like having a life, which is such a beautiful gift that God breathed into us. And it's like for us to like label certain seasons as good or bad. It's like, it's just like experiencing winter. It's like, would I want to go through life having never experienced a winter? No, because it's beautiful and it's a part of life and fall and spring and summer and all of these different things. And so to try to label summer as good and winter as bad, and like, that's not how it works. It's like, this is what life is. You, you got to experience what it is. And that's Jesus experienced being happy and being sad and being angry and disappointed and like having victories. He experienced the whole thing. And if that wasn't sin for him, it's not sin for us. And I think that's one of the things I'm even working through right now is to allow myself to be sad when it makes sense to you be can sad. be content and peaceful in your sadness yes. because it's appropriate yes and that's why the bible says in your anger don't sin that makes it it's clear anger isn't sin now you can let those emotions get the best of you and let you sin and that's where you have to be careful but to just be angry is not a sin to be sad is not a sin jesus was angry jesus was sad and so I think, again, we didn't plan on this at all, but I think that's one of the greatest parallels for the seasons is just to understand, like, there's not one right emotion. It's like, you're, you're going to experience all of them. It's about, like, what is the righteous way to experience this emotion in this so, moment? So yesterday, my tractor broke down. Yeah. This is not a country song. Right. Well, my tractor dog broke is fine. down. But my dog's fine. Okay, okay. He was limping a little bit yesterday, but that's because he got too rambunctious on the ice. Yep. So my tractor broke down. Yep. That thing has really been a little bit of a pain in the backside over the years, but that kind of goes with the territory of being a little farm like mine. You, you gotta make run it work. an old piece of equipment and I'm always fixing the thing but every time I fix it I make the mistake of believing now this thing should be good Yeah. and yesterday it broke but and I, I'm i gonna share the story not in any way boasting mm-hmm. but to just show to sort of demonstrate what we're talking about so I tend to I was gifted as a kid with a bad temper <laughs> and I've learned over the years and now that I'm 40 years old I still feel that want to rear its ugly head at times but I've learned how to deal with it and I understand like what triggers me and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and I would have thought that yesterday would have been one of those moments because it's like this is not the time of year I can have that happen because we live in a place where we have like a quarter mile of uh 
quarter mile that the wind can blow snow and mm-hmm. dump it in our driveway. Right. So I have to have that thing to clear out our driveway. So it could not snow at all, but we still end up with two feet of snow in our driveway oh, some sure. nights. And so this is the most inopportune time for this thing to break down, and I'm getting sick of it because it's not the first time. But it happened to be that right before that happened, I walked out, just like I was describing before, to check my cattle, and I just was kind of overcome with gratitude for everything that I saw. Like, it's just beautiful out, the sun's coming up, my animals are healthy, mm-hmm. and I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity to care for these animals and have this little piece of land, and I was thanking God out loud as I was walking. Yeah. And then I went in and started my tractor, and it broke down, and I had the sense of peace. I felt disappointment. Yeah. I felt, you know, the the um, temptation to just be frustrated. And maybe even I was frustrated, but I had a sense of peace and contentment. Mm-hmm. And just kind of like, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And I think that, it felt supernatural to me because I know what my natural inclination is and it's right. not that. Yep. And so it felt supernatural and I think it only came because right before that I was audibly just thanking God for what I have and, and just telling him he's good no matter what. Absolutely. And then that happened and it was so soon that I didn't even, it was like there's no way that I can complain about this right, right. now. Absolutely. And it's a perspective thing. Yes. Do I always, can I say that about every time I face adversity? Absolutely not. Right. I'm far from perfect. But I'm just using that example as just a demonstration of like, it all comes down to perspective. I, that's probably one of the most used words in my vocabulary, especially talking about faith. Mm-hmm. It all comes down to perspective. But I think where what we're talking about most of the time in this podcast is about all of the things stacked up against us in life that cause us to not have perspective and how can we have perspective in the face of all those things. Absolutely. No, I agree with you completely. And I think to just confirm it, like, I mean, you probably were frustrated and it makes sense to be frustrated because it is a frustrating thing but you don't have to allow that frustration to like take over and you can still find gratitude in it because I even think of like when I think of like anger I just think of like something's not right like you you get that feeling of like that's not right that what happened was was wrong mm-hmm. and there's there's an emotional response to that and to be honest that's like a good thing Like, if you look in the Old Testament, when God is, like, angry at the Israelites, he's like, you don't care about injustice. Like, he's like, I could use a little more anger from you guys because there's bad things happening and you have no response to it whatsoever. And so I think it's like that, that balance of, like, allowing yourself to feel appropriate emotions, but then being in control of them and not letting them get you to sin and i think that's that balance that's tough to find you know i think i've i've said this before i'm sure in this podcast but i'll just never forget one time uh when we lived in indiana i was attending one of the men's breakfasts at our church and 
it was like the associate pastor or whatever was talking about perspective and I don't remember where even in scripture he was, but the the statement he made was, you know you have proper perspective when you realize you've been going through a trial for quite a while, Mm -hmm. but it took you a long time to even realize it was a trial. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it is, because proper perspective can, can really pull you out of pretty much anything. But it's it's hard, and I think, like you said, it's it's just acknowledging that the the culture we live in is incentivized for us to have an incorrect perspective. And I know I've I've said this before from the pulpit, but like we live in in a culture of business. I don't think anyone would argue that like the United States is built on business, and I'm not even saying that's right or wrong. That's just the reality. And business is built on selling you something and how the best way to sell someone something is to make them think that they're lacking something like that's i don't think any of these are crazy conspiracy theories these are just core business tenets is like for business to work you sell something and in order to sell something people need to feel like they need it like they're missing whatever it is you're selling and so the the perspective that is the most beneficial to the culture we live in is a perspective that is not beneficial to us as human beings and children of God. That's just, and I think you have to acknowledge that reality to just understand the battle that you're in is that we all live in a culture where it is not, they don't want you to have the right perspective about life. It's a me first perspective. It's a very short term or short sighted perspective. Don't look beyond right now. And you, you put those things together and it's, it's basically a recipe for everyone feeling like they're getting the short end of the stick and everyone being grumpy about their lot in life Yep, and everyone being discontent and everyone being hopeless Mm -hmm. and everyone being victims. Yep. One, like any sort of, you know, the art of war or whatever is like the first thing is you have to know your enemy. You have to understand the battle you're in. And I don't think a lot of us understand it's the battle of perspective. Like that's the real battle. If you're a Christian, that's the real battle that you're in is the battle of perspective. So what the interesting phenomenon here is, and I think this is going to be my attempt to successfully bring us into what you talked about yesterday. I like, I want to see how you, how you make this happen. So what the interesting phenomenon is, is that this problem is not disproportional inside and outside of the church. Right. And that's a little bit of a disheartening thing to think about. You'd think the people who should have perspective and should understand it, that proportionally should not be the same as those outside of the church. But I don't think that's the case. I don't have any stats to back that up. So well, but so you can look at at something like like the divorce rate, and I like there there are biblical provisions for divorce. So if you've you're listening, you're divorced. This is not me taking shots at you, but you would think if you knew what the Bible taught that Christians would have a much lower percentage of divorce, and we just simply know it's identical. Like yeah. it's an identical rate of divorce of Christians and non Christians. So that is a stat that we do have. So that's one snapshot that, of, yes. that supports my 
yes. claim. Yes. So so you have that phenomenon. And so why does that happen? So now we're just going to shift this entire conversation to the church, mm-hmm. yep. to Christ followers. Why is this the case? It comes down to the term that you focused on yesterday, yeah. which is alignment. Yep. Well, and I think even a, a really important term to go along with that is is will, because you know, I made I made the case that like we're actually all good at alignment, and I, I, I compared it to worship. We're all good at worshiping. Like it, no one has to learn how to worship. They have to learn how to choose the right thing to worship. But we're made to worship. That's just built into our DNA to worship something, whether it's whatever. There's a hundred different things we could worship, but we're all going to worship. You don't have to teach yourself how to worship. And if it's the same thing with alignment. We're all trying to align our lives. We're all trying to make sense and, and go in a direction. But the reason that there's, like you said, there's pretty much the same outlook and perspective inside the church and outside the church is that most of us are are trying to align our lives to our own will. And even if you're a Christian, your own will is still going to be just as fickle as a non-Christian's. So what we have as Christians is the opportunity to align our lives to God's will. But if we don't do that and we still try to align our lives to what we think is going to make us happy, what we think is right, it's going to look exactly the same as non-Christians because our wills are just as fickle as theirs are if we keep trying to align our life to that. So that's how we end up with poor perspective mm-hmm. and um, responding to adversity no different than anyone else. Yeah. Well, because I think, and, and I gave this example on Sunday, but it's like, I, I think 100% of people could say that like at one point in their life, they were 100% convinced that if they just had what they have right now, that they would be happy. And it's like this phenomenon of like, you can go back and be like, I knew that if I just had this car or this house or whatever, that that was the one thing. And And why do we not learn? Yeah, because I think we're just so, we're so, our wills are so strong and they're so persuasive but we just don't take the time to go back and track them to see oh my goodness you are always changing you are like the shifting winds like one day it's like if i just had this guitar and then like two days later it's like who cares about guitar i need a new car that's what and like to take the time to actually track how much your will is like all over the place depending on a hundred different variables And that's when you would start to realize, oh, trying to set the course of my life on this is a really dumb decision because it is like trying to use a compass that changes every day. It's like that is a terrible way to try to navigate. And um, but I think just a lot of us, we don't take the time to really track it and really look at it. And I think that's why even something like journaling is is really important because you start Mm -hmm. to go back and you see how much your own, what you think is right and your perspective just changes all the time. And so I think that's a big part of it is just we don't do the work of looking at it. I'm a big fan of journaling. Mm -hmm. And my biggest reason is I don't think you could possibly have a victim mentality 
if you've journaled for any period of time because you can literally go back and be like, oh, God answered that one. God yep. answered that. And, I mean, we talk about that. Christians all know this, but sometimes an answered prayer isn't us getting what we thought we needed or what we asked for. Absolutely. But they're always answered. Yes. I, can, I know that with absolute certainty after several years of journaling that I can go back Every single one of those was answered. Yep. Sometimes God saying no is the most beautiful answer to our prayer. I mean, I've given this example at church before too, but when I was in high school, I was positive I wanted to be a famous musician. That was all I wanted in life. And I prayed for it and I asked for it. And like that door got slammed in my face so hard and I was so mad at God. And then as soon as I hit like 25, I was like, oh, like I hate going away from home. And I love being at home and I don't like staying in hotels and I'm an introvert. And I don't like being around a bunch of people. Like that was the best answer. I would be miserable. I would hate that life. And it's just like God knew me more than I did. And him right. saying no to that was like the most beautiful answer to prayer that I could have gotten. That's really funny because last night Jocelyn and I were talking to Timothy, our oldest, and mm-hmm. he's going to be a freshman next year. Yeah. So now... It seems early, but the they start when they look at putting together their schedule for high school. They're they're like, do you have some ideas about what things you might be interested in someday? Right. And so we asked him that, and he's always been interested in a few different things. But one of the things that's really kind of budding in him is music. Yeah. And that's exactly what we talked about like you love that but you also like being home and just kind of being by yourself sometimes and um you you also have dreams of having a farm just like ours someday and like just like we've talked in the past like you you might want to be a professional baseball player someday but you're going to be gone a lot and you know the same with so we were just talking about that i don't know how that's relevant to this well it's it's just it's that idea of like your will is not your best friend and like once i understood that of like your will like it doesn't have your best interests in mind your your will is just it's like a, a toddler that just sees shiny things and and doesn't have the actual wisdom to know what's good or not. It just, it sees things and gets distracted. And once you start understanding your will is like a rambunctious toddler, like you start to like view it differently. That's, I, that reminds me of when Jocelyn and I were newly married and we didn't have hardly any money. Mm-hmm. We would make wish lists or we would just make lists of things that we thought we wanted. Mm-hmm. And then like as we would get some money we'd be like all right let's check this one thing off almost always you'd you'd look at that list and be like all right here's the next thing i don't really want that anymore absolutely i don't need that anymore it's like well what was my will doing that wanted me to that was making me or trying to make me believe that i couldn't live without this thing and now it's a month later and it would be a total waste of money if i absolutely bought that if you can start believing that your will is an overtired toddler and like understand like it's fine like it's not like you want to like have to punish it or whatever but like you're not going to take orders from an overtired toddler like you just yeah. understand like there's no real wisdom coming from there like 
they're just, it's whatever shiny, whatever is catching their interest in that moment, but they're going to go take a nap later and wake up and like literally not even remember what it was that they were throwing a temper tantrum over. And like, that's your will. And you just have to understand that, that yes, it's going to throw tantrums, but like, let it take a nap and then see what's going to happen. And it's going to change. At least for me, it's helped me really manage that and realize like, I mean, can you imagine if a parent was like, well, you know, we, we probably shouldn't borrow, you know, $700,000 to buy this house, but our toddler really threw a tantrum. Yeah. You'd be like, what are you, are you crazy? You don't make decisions on that. So yeah, I was just thinking of that. Like, it's easy to to think about that in the context of some of the bigger things that have lasting consequences, like relationships or, you know, someone who has an extramarital relationship or someone who drives intoxicated or something like that. Like, those are, they're crummy things to think about and talk about, but they're, like, easy to be, like, yeah, that's a bad that? idea. Yeah. Yeah. But what about like, do you want an overtired toddler telling you what to believe about yourself? Yeah. Telling you whether you're a success or a failure in yes. life and start listening to those things and start believing those things right. about yourself. Or to just even let you know, to determine whether life is good or not. Like, again, it's, I, I've, I've seen like that, that meme online. It's like, you know, my toddler, after we took him to, you know, for ice cream and took him to the swimming pool and like list seven things. But I said no to like the toy car that he wanted. And it was like, my life is terrible. It's like, yeah. why would you listen? And again, it's not like you hate that toddler. You just understand like there's, they don't have the wisdom. That, like you, you can't let them run your life and make decisions because they're not in a place where they're equipped to do that. And your will is the same way. And that's if you want proof, just go and track it. Go and track all the times that you gave your will what it was throwing its tantrum for and if there was any lasting joy that yeah. came from it. And you'll see like, oh, this is not something that I should use to align my life to because it just it's not going to ever be in a consistent direction it's going to be moving and changing all the time and that's the, the sermon was really about just dealing with that frustration of why does it feel like we are just sprinting all around and then we look up and it's like we haven't gone anywhere we haven't made any progress it's because we're trying to align our movements to this will either ours or other people's or societies or whatever that are always changing. And so it's like, we're never running in a consistent direction. So we are just going to be running in circles and that's really frustrating. So just encouraging people like that's the beautiful thing about God. And there's so many beautiful things, but that his will stands. It is firm. It does, his mind doesn't change. So if you start to align yourself to his will, it's like you start to go in a direction and you're not backtracking and you're not running in circles and so the reason why this is even a discussion is because God made us to be free. Mm-hmm. That was his intent from the beginning. And even though we messed it up, he continues to allow us to be free. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before, and I'm actually going to attempt to 
teach about this in a sermon in a couple weeks. Yeah, I'm excited. But, but freedom is not what we perceive it to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can use the analogy of one of my cattle that right now you would, you know, depending on how you look at it, you could say they're not free because they're within the confines of a fence. Mm-hmm. If you cut the wires and they eventually find out that they are quote-unquote free, um, are they truly free if they go wherever they please? Because they'll no longer have, you know, maybe they'll find something to eat that's nutritious for them, but maybe they won't. Probably they won't. Um, Maybe they'll find clean water. Probably they won't. And so then are they really free? Right. And that's kind of what we do to ourselves as well. Yes. And I'll let you speak on that. But but I what I find really interesting is the last verse you quoted, which is one of my favorite in the Bible from Hebrews six, just talks about hope Mm -hmm. being an anchor. Yes. Is that is so ironic. Yeah. So, like, an anchor we perceive as a bad thing because it holds it's holding us in place. Yeah. And that's the last thing we want because we have freedom to do whatever we want. We don't want to be told what to do. We have that will that you're talking about that has other ideas. Yes. And j- sometimes just the thought of the anchor being there, even if we're in a good place, just because that anchor is holding us there, we want to be somewhere else just despite that anchor. Right. Well, and I think that's such a beautiful analogy because I think where, where people get it wrong, and that's where I, I don't want to say too much because I want people to, I, I'm excited to hear your sermon, but I think especially freedom in the Bible is often connected to like love. Like that's, and that's why we have free will because if we can't choose to not love God, then we can't choose to love God either. You need to have the freedom to say no right. in order for your yes to mean anything. Like, And so if you look at something like a marriage, it's like, I, am f- I was free to choose Les as my spouse versus anybody else or nobody at all. But in choosing that, in using my freedom... I chose to enter into a covenant in which I made agreements. And now there's boundaries, but I was free to choose that. It wasn't an arranged marriage that I didn't have a choice to. It's like I chose the boundaries. I chose which covenant I wanted to enter into. And it's the same with God. And the difference between an anchor and a snare is like the snare is like you don't get to choose where that is. You're going about your day and somebody who had ill will for you chose where that snare was. And now they're keeping you where they want you. With an anchor, you are able to say like, hey, whether if you're fishing, this is the spot I want. And you get to choose where you throw that down. Now, once you throw that down, yeah, you're giving up the other spots, but you were free to choose that. And now there are boundaries. And just because there's boundaries doesn't mean there's no freedom. Like the freedom is shown and where. And I think that's the beautiful thing of saying like the hope that God gives us, it's not a trap that holds us. 
it's an anchor where we can choose to plant ourselves there because we wanted to stay there. And yeah, when you're fishing in a spot where you've anchored, are you going to look and say, oh, maybe that spot would have been better? Yeah, because that's how fishing works. You're always assuming a different spot was better. But that doesn't mean you weren't free. That was in Hebrews. Was it Hebrews? Yes. Yeah, I believe so. I can look it up real quick. That's what I'm trying to do too. And I, oh yeah. Hebrews 6.19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Yep. Yeah, so that sort of brings all of this full circle. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. We started out talking about perspective in the face of adversity. We talked about how, unfortunately it doesn't seem to be any different in the church than outside of the church. Mm -hmm. And that is because we get out of alignment. Yep. And we get out of alignment because our will is like a tired child Mm -hmm. who is giving us bad advice and bad ideas and is irrational and reactionary. And when we get into a pattern of letting that tired child making all of the decisions in life, in our freedom, we end up lost somewhere where we shouldn't be. Yep. Yep. I think that's a good way to wrap it up. And, and so Hebrews 6 basically tells us what to do about that. Yep. We ha- and... and it's not, it doesn't say like we have this discipline as an anchor. It's not saying like this is going to really suck, but it's going to be good for you. Right. It's, we have this hope. Yep. Absolutely. That is an anchor. Like this hope is going to keep you from going back to that bad, scary place. Absolutely. And that's it. It's just that, cho- and like you said, that. The- the only difference between Christians and non-Christians when it comes to like what we can align our life to is like we all have these really bad like if you again I use the example of building a house we all have these bad levels that change every day so you're trying to build and the level that you're using changes every day so everything you build is like all wonky and askew and you end up having to tear it down and it's like when when you become a Christian you have access to like a real consistent level, but you still have to choose to use that yeah. over the one that you've used. If you keep using the same level, if you keep aligning to your own will, you're going to have the same results that everyone else has. You've got to choose to start to align your life to God's will instead of yours. But when you do that again, that's where things are firm and secure and you don't have to be constantly tearing down what you built and starting over again. And at least for me, it's like, that's, that's what's exciting is like, hey, what I build, if I, if I align it with God's will, it's going to stand. And that makes it way more fun to build. So then maybe the, the charge for everyone listening as we close is to go to Hebrews 6 sometime mm-hmm. this week and to maybe just have that be something that you look to and think about for multiple days 
and just really try to I, I think there's a ton of value in reading scripture over and over more times than you even think is worth it because at about the time you don't you know about the time you think you understand it and you don't need to read it anymore that's when something's gonna just jump out and that may not make sense to someone who hasn't experienced that before but give it a try and Absolutely. at some point you'll experience that and it'll change you forever and if anything we all have to constantly fight the natural flow toward having terrible perspective yep and so this can sort of be a good starting point so i agree i think that's a great place to start. so hebrews 6 read that and lord as we wrap up today let that be our prayer we just thank you that you're our hope we thank you that you anchor us and we just give you permission to be our anchor and we just ask you to do that and to to give us hope to just have perspective as we go through life and face challenges and adversity and i just pray that as we have your hope and choose to have your hope as an anchor that we'll go through trials and adversity without even knowing we're going through them just because of perspective yeah in your name we pray amen amen